The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of it, we're going to kick things off with our afternoon update. Uh, joining me uh, to catch us up on all that has happened uh, today so far, Sarah McGuinness, Business Post, Assistant News Editor and Fergus Finlay, Columnist with the Irish Examiner. Um, Sarah, we might start with this uh, letter that the Taoiseach has signed to the European Commission expressing concern about the situation in Gaza. Uh, what more can you tell us about that? Yes. So as you said, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez have written to Ursula von der, Le- von der Leyen, the President of the European Commission, basically expressing concern at the deteriorating situation in Gaza, but more interestingly, urging her to look at the conditions of a trade agreement between Israel and the EU. And basically what is being said is that agreement is kind of grounded in the human rights conditions in all of Israel and Palestine. And um, the point that Leo Varadkar and Pedro Sanchez are making is we need to look at if Israel are still in compliance with those conditions in light of the Rafah invasion, which, you know, you can't ignore over the last couple of days, it's been everywhere because it is just so truly horrifying. Um, so he, Leo Vradker and Pedro Santos wrote this letter. He basically expressed deep concern and um, urged the European uh, Commission president to act on it. Um, he was in the doll today and he got a bit of flack. I suppose this is all being set on the background of Ireland not joining South Africa's case Um in the ICJ Mm. and then of course various other you know there's been a lot of criticism around government of their kind of not doing enough in aid of the Palestinian cause Um, so he did get a bit of flack like he um, independent TD Catherine Connolly basically said that well we've kind of stood by until now, like what what's going on now? Like, this, is this just kind of a bit of showmanship? It's kind of reading through the lines. And he basically said, no, like it, this is something really tangible that if we row in behind, this could make a difference. So that remains to be seen. Um, I haven't really seen anything in response to Ursula von der Leyen. Um, yeah. I know there was someone out from the European Commission saying that they had received it, but she herself hasn't commented. Fergus, what's the significance of it? Well, I think there's a number of significances. I think, first of all, he's speaking on all our behalves. Uh, and I think that's important that that we are um, sending, I think, every week a stronger and stronger message. I think um, the Irish government has been very strong from the beginning uh, on the human rights aspect of this. I mean, what's about to happen if it happens is unthinkable. If you walk from here, Kieran, to the top of Grafton Street, yeah. you will cover an area in which now a million people are living in makeshift conditions with very little food, very little water, no medical supplies and surrounded by an army which by all accounts is about to launch an unmerciful attack on them. Now, I don't know if it qualifies as genocide but it certainly qualifies as a brutal, cruel and inhuman assault. Um, And I think Ireland has been among the countries of the world that has been pointing that out um, uh, and and has been very strong um, and, and you know, I... I think it's, we have to. We have to yeah. be as strong as we possibly can. Um, the, the point they were making, I think, is that there is a free trade agreement or a trade agreement between the EU and Israel. And like every agreement entered into by the EU, it is based on an adherence to human rights conditions. Um, and it could be upended on that basis. I think that's what they're suggesting needs to happen now. Were you surprised that the forceful language Leo Varadkar used yesterday talking about it when he talked about... No, I think both he and Michal Martin have been very forceful um, from the very beginning. Um, 
Uh, This started, as we all know now, with uh, an awful atrocity being committed by Hamas on October the 7th. (coughs) And I think there was an expectation that Israel would respond and would have to respond to that. But the response has been so utterly disproportionate that it can only amount to cruelty. Um, And it's been led, that response has been led by one of the most corrupt politicians in the Western world, in Benjamin Netanyahu, um, who who is lucky not to be in jail um, uh, at the behest of his own courts and his own government. Um, like, what choice does the rest of the world have? Um, yeah. I, I, I think, for example, I think Joe Biden has got it hopelessly and totally wrong. I supported where he stood at the start because I think he was trying to maintain a strong relationship with Israel in order to be a force for good. Mm. But I think he's been cut up to the eyeballs by Netanyahu. Yeah. Um, uh, and that, that has, that all that's happened is that they've, they've used Biden's forbearance to commit more and more and more murders and crime. Uh, Sarah, um, the criticism, uh, as you outlined, from some in opposition that kind of this is just an empty gesture and why didn't we join South Africa's case at the ICJ? I mean, you can make the same accusation about joining South Africa's case at the ICJ. I mean, the criticism of both is that neither has practical impact on the ground in Rafa. That's not to dismiss the importance of either. I'm not saying, it's, and what I'm kind of doing is dismissing the criticism of the opposition today. No, of course, of course. And like, I think it really can't be understated like how big a power Israel is. And there was an MEP, uh, Grace O'Sullivan, a Green Party MEP on um, on News at One today. And she basically said that this important, this um, this like this trade agreement is really important to Israel. Like they really need this. But like then again, you never know what's going to come of it. Leo Radker is also saying that he hopes that there will be, he thinks that there will be a ceasefire in place in Gaza by St. Patrick's Day. I don't know what he's basing that off, but also the government do need to be seen, do need to be seen to be doing all that they can. There is that kind of emotional connection that I think Irish people feel to the Palestinian cause. And with him heading off to Joe Biden, on St. Patrick's Day, Sinn Féin following suit, you know, like there is kind of, there's a lens on the government right now. It might not be, it might not lead to great action, but I think it's more the messaging that mm. government are after. I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves um, as, a, as a country, because we all have very strong views on this uh, and, you know, we're, we're all sitting around saying more needs to be done. How comfortable are we going to be with 100,000 Palestinian refugees coming to Ireland? How are we going to cope with that? Um, uh, and and that's, on, that's on the cards. That has to begin to happen. Um, I, I described at the very start of this, I described uh, what's happening in Gaza as a refugee crisis where the refugees have nowhere to go. And they're now blocked in, locked in to a mm. tiny corner. Um, and the only possibility will be that the rest of the world begins to take them in as refugees. Brian in Dublin says upending a trade agreement might have far more impact than the meaningless statement from the ICJ, which could take years to come. Uh, anyway, oh uh, eight seven fourteen hundred one zero six. The number, uh, as as both Sarah and Fergus outlined, the the terrifying prospect of that ground assault on Rafa uh, continues to be a reality for everybody who's trapped. Uh, there, so we will continue to cover it here on the show over the coming days. Um, can I ask a very brief, and I don't want to dwell too much on this, Sarah, because it has been in the headlines and continues to be in the headlines, unfortunately, um, since about June last year. But members, uh, senior management members in RTE, uh, before the uh, media 
um, Oroctus committee today. So this is the kind of the cover your own arse brigade. What have they been saying? Oh, well, basically, it's Kevin Backhurst and Shuni Rahalik, who actually weren't in RTE, it must be said again, weren't in RTE at the time of this payment scandal, have been hauled in front of another Oroctus media committee session and basically it's just hashing out the farce that was Toy Show the Musical and how could that possibly have not been giving board sign off which I still can't get over myself like what is the point of having a governance board there if they don't govern what the executive team are doing but anyway so they were called in basically to kind of justify that and then very interestingly Brida O'Keefe's exit package so when all this kicked off, um, Kevin Backers commissioned a report into set, um, the voluntary um, exit package scheme that RTE ran from 2017 to 2021. And that report found that all severance packages, there were, I think, about 200 of them. I could be wrong, but that's the figure in my head. They were agreed in that time and all but one were in line with the relevant procedures. Apart from Breed O'Keefe, the former chief financial officer who was paid a massive sum of 450,000 euro to leave RTE. She voluntarily took that fair play to her and that was just agreed between herself and D Forbes. The board knew nothing about that. Um, so that's kind of the most interesting yeah. revelation. I think we we're all kind of wondering, you know, like how much money was Brida O'Keefe getting to leave? So we found that out in the last couple of minutes. But aside from that, it's just a lot of tic-tacking about why isn't D Forbes there? Why isn't Ronan Coveney there? Fergus, as somebody who ran an organisation that had to manage you know, money donated from the public and um, we did, level we did of, budget of, of twenty million of, um, of state funding as well. That some you, state funding and, and a lot of public money. So, but so the budget was twenty million. What, what's your assessment then of kind of those corporate governance and those kind of uh, oversight and auditory roles that oh, I'm tempted, to, I'm tempted to say governance didn't even exist in RT for a long time. I'm tempted to say governance schmufferdance <laughs> if I can pronounce it. Um, look, every state body and every reputable charity. Has, has policies. They've financial expenditure policies, they've capital expenditure policies. Every single one of them has a line that says any expenditure above a certain amount must go to the CEO, any expenditure above a slightly bigger amount must go to the board or the audit committee or whatever. It applies in every state body, it applies right across the board. We now know, and I, that's why I can't understand in a way why these inquiries are still going on, we now know that if those policies existed in RTE, there was a management team in place that couldn't give a toss about them, that had a completely cavalier disregard for normal requirement. This isn't good governance. It's basic governance. It's basic governance that if you're about to spend two million on something, you tell your board. That's basic. That's not a best in class type of standard. It's bottom line. Uh, and we, know, we now know that, that none of that happened. So, I mean, we can now write a report, I think, or our report can be written, which says RTE was run by people who either didn't know or didn't care about any normal standards of governance um, and lost and wasted a lot of money and did immense damage to RTE's reputation in the process. We need to do that and then begin to try and move on if we can. Chris on Gaza says, how about this government uh, demand that Hamas surrender and stop firing rockets into Israel? Of course uh, This more could end uh, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, Chris, I don't know where you're getting your information, but the government have never expressed the slightest support for Hamas firing rockets into civilian areas uh, in Israel or into the uh, actions of Hamas on October 7th. Uh, Dahi says, some EU countries uh, have an, un- an understandable national guilt trauma about the Holocaust. They'll never take any action against Israel uh, because of it. And another listener, uh, the better option at this stage would be to rebuild Gaza and make the Israelis 
foot the bill. Uh, anyway, 87 106 Um We will park both of those conversations there for the moment. Um, and instead, I want to express my shock and surprise, Fergus, that you don't have ash on your forehead. I'm sorry. You haven't got there yet. I don't do that. I don't do <gasps> Ash Wednesday. I actually think Ash Wednesday isn't a bad idea. Not on the religious basis. By the way, I'm the, I'm not the only one in this room who doesn't have ash in his forehead. So um, don't just... Oh, no, don't you point mean, the, mine has worn off. Oh, it has. Yeah, don't Sarah, point you the finger just at me. Um, they, I, I mean, I think, I, I think it's not a bad idea that there's a day in the year when we pause and reflect and think um, and, and, you know, um, maybe hold back a bit. Um, but the religious side of it, I, I'm quite struck by walking around Dublin today. Yeah. I, there was a time, particularly if you walked near Leinster House, where everybody in Leinster House had ash in their forest. Oh, sure. Bertie used to top it up several times during the day. So I think the he'd makeup, be, he'd the be make- on the plane to ask him the smokers. <laughs> oh, Sarah. The makeup artist used to come man. in in the morning yeah. uh, with it. But, but most of them did. You can walk around Dublin today. If it's one in a hundred that you see with ash now, yeah. it's as much, much. It, it's so rare as you walk around that you're like, oh, you do a double take when you see it. Yeah, I uh, did. I it, was driving in kind of Golden Lane that way, kind of yeah, in. It's gone. And, it's gone uh, it's a couple over. of people walked past me and the yeah. first people I'd seen with it. My kids will get it in school, though, today. They'll be offered. Say, in national school. Yeah. Offered, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, what and they'll come home and then, say, about, they'll come home and say, what's this about, Dad? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I actually don't think I've gotten ashes since primary school. But anyway, um, but what am I giving up for Lent? I'm not giving up anything. I'm so <sighs> sorry. I'm really not in the business of sacrifice. Um, but then also I don't get all the perks that the church offers, like, you know, peace and whatnot. I'm, I'm just not religious. It's not really my thing. I did enjoy a couple of pancakes, though, yesterday. So I don't know where that where I stand on that. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of all take and no give. When today. it comes to the church, yeah. Yeah, so I don't really know. But um, it's I, it just I actually even completely forgot. But also it was pro- similarly. Probably well, see, it's Valentine's Day, so it's confusing for yeah, me. My many today. my many suitors have distracted me today, Karen. <laughs> That's the problem. I know. Why? How can I give up anything when I've get all got all these lovely gifts and chocolates and flowers Here's being thrown oh, at Fer- me? Fergus is walking across yeah. studio. He has he's he- one for both of you. Are you joking? <laughs> He's I've giving us a Valentine's Day card. I should not to shame my wife on national radio, but it's the first Valentine's Day card ah. I've received today. Well, now I have, a, I have a, an ulterior one. I should also say it's unopened. It <laughs> Go is on. unopened. I haven't written anything on it. And if you look at the back of it, okay, you'll see that these Valentine cards were handmade by members of Lakers and Bray. Lakers is a club for people with an intellectual disability, with which oh, I'm involved. Wow. And as part of their artwork, they make these cards and they're fantastic. We do a big, we do a roaring trade at this time of year in Valentine's Card. Oh, great. So I would like you both to have one. And at your convenience, you can donate three euros 50 to Lakers. But no, no pressure. I would absolutely um, do that. No pressure. It is a lovely card. I actually asked ChatGPT earlier to come up with a Valentine's card message for me, right? And then it came up with, it was kind of standard fare. Who are you sending this message to? Karen? Well, I'm going to write it and give this to my wife okay, later. Okay. So I hope she's not <laughs> listening, actually. So she might think I came up with this myself. But I kept asking ChatGPT to come up with something soppier and soppier and soppier. And eventually my instruction to it was make it so soppy that it's nauseating. And this is what artificial intelligence came up with. My beloved wife, as I sit here penning these words of adoration for you, My heart swells with a love so intense it feels as though the very heavens themselves have conspired to unite our souls. Your love is the celestial symphony that serenades my spirit. Your laughter is the celestial nectar that nourishes my being. And your touch is the divine elixir that intoxicates my senses. 
Sarah, can we go out and get sick in the bucket outside? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. I should have brought in a sick bucket maybe for you. It is pretty nauseating, isn't Who it? Who said computers don't have feelings, though? Like, I that's know. the nicest thing I've ever heard. I know. Well, well celestial nectar, that's a bit much it now. It does mean ChatGPT has said I, nicer I, things I, to me today than my wife. I bought, I, one, I bought one of those for my missus this morning. Just by way, I bought one of those for my missus, just by way of helping Lakers along, because it is, they do fantastic work. And if I had had the courage, I wanted to write Yeats inside it. I wanted to write, you know, when you were old, that poem, I wanted to write, but one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. I didn't have the courage because I wasn't sure that she'd receive it the way I meant it. Um, (laughs) Well, I thought when you said you were going to write Yeats in it, you were going to talk about your man who formerly of this parish talked about the Irish language. No, no, But I've had enough of him. (laughs) Don't ever quote him in a Valentine's Day card. Not a Valentine's Day card. (laughs) Good God. Ivan mightn't know anything about Irish. He doesn't know an awful lot about getting attention, though, doesn't he? It's almost like he's flogging a podcast, Fergus. Oh, no. It's almost like he's (laughs) flogging a podcast. Fergus Finlay, columnist at the Irish Examiner, Sarah McGuinness, Business Post, Assistant News Editor. Thanks a million, uh, both of you, and we will talk again soon. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.